Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. It is Monday, May 4th. Uh, row crop market's a little bit lower as I speak here midday. Wheat market's mixed, cattle market up a little bit. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you have not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you go on Apple or Google or whichever podcast app uh, that you use and subscribe. Also, leave me a review. If you like what you've heard, if you like the podcast, leave me a review on Apple in particular. If you don't like the podcast, leave me a review. Tell me why you don't like it. If you have questions, my email address is info, I-N-F-O, at standardgrain.com, info at standardgrain.com. You can send me an email. I will reply to you directly. If you have questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, um, I would be happy to do that. I am uh, very happy to report that uh, the podcast is going well. It continues to grow. I continue to see uh, more listeners uh, just about every episode. So thank you uh, for listening. And the only reason I'm doing this is because you're listening. So thank you. Uh, we do have a few news items that I'd like to cover before I get into the topic of the day here, which is Brace for Impact. And when I say Brace for Impact, I'm referring to next week's uh, USDA report and uh, the corn market in particular. And, and we're going to get into that. But uh, perhaps the biggest news here as we start off the week is this China situation. The the, the headlines are reading that, you know, we've got a, an escalation in trade tensions or economic tensions between the U.S. and China, which, of course, is a big deal because uh, we're hoping that this phase one trade deal turns into a phase two deal and continues into 2021 and that things continue to, to progress. And it kind of looks like we've maybe taken a couple steps backwards here. We've seen President Trump just in the last four or five days refer to tariffs in a couple different instances, uh, and he's talked about tariffs in, in two different uh, ways, really. One, uh, he kind of said that if China fails to meet these obligations this year, that tariffs would be the, the most likely uh, thing that the U.S. would do, is that, that we'd go back to tariffs, and, and we don't want that. So that's, of course, one thing, and that's probably not necessarily a huge surprise. I mean, if China doesn't live up to the deal, then yeah, uh, uh, tariffs go back in place. I, I probably could have assumed that, I guess. The other one, which is, is maybe a little bit more scary, is that you know, Trump and a lot of people within his administration continued to hint at this idea that China was either responsible for the virus or uh, was negligent in its handling of the virus, and that in any case, uh, China was not truthful about the virus in, in the early stages and uh, caused a lot of problems all over the world, a lot of deaths, a lot of economic harm, just a responsible for a whole number of factors and Trump kind of hinting at the idea that tariffs could be a way of punishing China for that. He also said last week that, you know, the the coronavirus situation and China's handling of it is kind of first and foremost and that the trade deal is kind of a, a secondary to that. So that's not good. And maybe that's part of the reason why we've got the soybean market under pressure here today. 
The Chinese, I believe, are on vacation this week. I think they've got the week off for their version of, um, I think it's a Labor Day holiday. But uh, in any case, that that may be the big story here to start off this week. And and there's been some talk about, you know, is China on pace to hit the, the uh, export target in terms of U.S. ag products? And I don't know how you would actually keep tally of this stuff. You know, the, the numbers in the trade deal were talked about in terms of dollar amounts. And I think that anybody you ask, they'd say that they're not on pace to hit it. I just don't know how you gauge it or uh, uh, how you quantify where exactly they're at in in terms of this thing. But as of right now, I think the majority would probably say that they're not close to the pace that they need to be at in terms of ag purchases. So China, maybe maybe the the biggest story here as we start off the week, maybe that's responsible for some of the weakness in the um, soybean market in particular. Uh, ethanol, of course, continues to be a big factor. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw some positives last week in the EIA report. We saw ethanol stocks down. We saw gasoline demand up. We still saw uh, another weekly decline in, in ethanol production. And that print last Wednesday was essentially a modern arrow low for ethanol production. So we're down 45 plus percent in terms of weekly ethanol output versus where we were a year ago. And that, of course, is is the biggest problem in the corn market right now, as I've said many, many times before. Now, we do have some states reopening. I've noticed a significant increase in, in uh, people out and about here where I live in, in Tennessee, outside of Nashville. And uh, I would imagine that's the case in, in the states that have started to reopen a little bit. And um, this, of course, all ties back to ethanol because we need people driving uh, at, at an increased rate. And that's how we get ethanol usage back up and then ethanol production back up. And it'll all kind of be a domino effect. And then you've got other states that are shut down and there's no sign of reopening Uh where I grew up and used to live and spent my whole life basically in Illinois, I mean, it's it's the exact opposite. They have extended these stay-at-home orders. Uh, it doesn't seem as if there's any sign of an end to it. So it's, it's very segmented depending on where you live, um, what kind of population your center you're near, how bad the virus has been in that area. But I'm kind of hoping that that ethanol production number from last week was the lowest that we see and that we begin to see a rebound. I really hope that's the case. I can't tell you for sure that that's the case, but I'm hoping that we've we've maybe turned a corner. I don't think it's going to be fast when we start to see the recovery. And we'll see a recovery, but I, I don't know if it's going to be fast. I don't know what the timing is. I just I hope that we're close. Maybe a little bit of a story in the wheat market. Southern Plains has turned dry in some areas. Now, some some spots did catch rain over the weekend. There were some areas of Kansas, uh, both, I think, in the eastern part and the western part that caught some rain. But there are also a lot of areas where you'll see dryness continue to build. And I don't like to get too worked up about weather this time of year. It seems like at one point or another during the spring, you get some sort of problem with the wheat crop here in the U.S. Um, and they usually don't turn into anything. Uh, could this time be different? I don't know. Um, we don't have, as I've talked about before, we don't have a, a shortage of wheat globally. We have some logistics issues, certainly, and maybe some some minor crop problems at this point in the U.S., but but we may see uh, winter wheat ratings drop again this afternoon. I wouldn't be surprised by that, and uh, we have seen two consecutive weeks. I think over the last two weeks um, ahead of, of this afternoon's report, which is not out yet as I speak, uh, we've had two consecutive weeks of declines, and I think we lost 8% in the good, excellent category. So 
that's um, maybe something to keep an eye on. Uh, the funds, I love to talk about the funds and the fund positioning. They have been uh, pretty relentless in their selling of the corn market. They have the largest net short position in the corn market. The funds, these lar- this group of large money managers, they have the largest net short uh, position in the corn market since I think September of last year. According to USDA, they're short 160-something thousand contracts and you know, there was a point last year where the funds were short more than 300000 and that was actually right before the rally in May started. So I look at the fund position in corn. They're heavily short. They're building. This is typically a time for me to avoid grain sales, and I've said that in the past. I like to make sales ideally when the funds are long 100,000 contracts or more. Um, we haven't seen that in a long time. So uh, I, I don't know if we're going to see that at all this year. We've seen that every single year uh, since modern record keeping began in 2006. We've seen funds take a net long of at least 100000 every single year uh, since 2006. This could be the year that, that breaks that streak, though. It's it's certainly possible. Fund traders have kind of been back and forth in the soybean market. Um, I usually look for the funds to be net long about 50,000 contracts before I get excited about making sales. Um, so we'll see if uh, if we ever get to that point here this year. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would I would venture to say, I mean, history is kind of on your side that you see that at some point. And SRW Wheat, the funds had been pretty aggressively long at one point. They peeled it back a little bit. They're still a little bit long that market. Um, so the, the opportunity may have kind of ceased uh, to exist here for the moment in the wheat. So on to the actual topic of the podcast today. It's called Brace for Impact. And as I mentioned, I'm referring to uh, next Tuesday's USDA report. This is the monthly crop production and WASD report. It will be out on Tuesday, May 12th at 11 o'clock Central Time. The important thing or the biggest item on this report, perhaps, is is or the thing that a lot of people will be looking at anyways. USDA is going to give us the first glimpse of the new crop balance sheets. So the 2021 balance sheets for corn and soybeans. And I will tell you right now, this is going to be a very bearish looking report. There is no doubt about it. It's just a question of how bearish. Um, I'll tell you why. And I don't, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty of the balance sheets here, but I'm going to give you a very broad explanation. Um, USDA is going to use its March intentions number for acreage that, what was it, 96.9, 97 million acres basically. That's what they're going to use. Um, they're going to use a normal harvested acreage number. Uh, they're going to use probably a trend line yield, which is a big yield up in the 170s. Uh, They're probably going to reduce their estimates for both old crop and new crop for corn demand via ethanol, and they could take a lot off of it uh, for both marketing years. Um, So you've got all of those things that are going to ultimately lead to carry out projection for, for the new crop year. It's going to be 3 billion bushels or above in all likelihood. It could be closer to 4 billion bushels depending on how USDA does the math and how big they believe some of the increases in demand may be ultimately for, say, exports or for feed. But you got to remember a, a couple of things about this. They are trying to project the ending stocks of corn on as of August 31st, 2021. See, they're, they're still working on the old crop numbers, which is the ending stocks as of this coming August 31st. The the numbers, the set of numbers that we're going to see, this this number that's going to be incredibly bearish looking, is, is their projection for what will happen at the end of August next year, for what 
the what amount of corn in the United States will be left over on August 31st of next year. So there's a lot of variables in that. Like, I mean, the first one that most people would argue with would be the acreage number. And they'd say 97 million. There's no way we we're going to plant that. The market's really fallen apart since those surveys were taken. And I agree with that. I, I would venture to say that the corn acreage number will be below 97. It's not a guarantee. I've seen crazier things happen in acreage reports. But um, I would venture to say that that acreage number will right off the bat kind of be dismissed. And that we'll wait for that June planted acreage report at the end of June to give us the actual planted acreage number. Uh, the ethanol situation, I mean, that's that's the big problem here, and that's where we're going to see all the demand cuts. It's it's still up in the air. There's no guarantee that ethanol production stays this week through the end of this year or certainly through the end of August of next year. I mean, I the optimistic view would be that we're close to a bottom in ethanol output and that we're going to start to see people driving again and you start to see that demand build back up. But that's that would be, you know, one variable. Definitely. Uh, the yield, of course, is an enormous variable. They start with the trend line yield, but um, we've got a lot of weather to go here and weather has to cooperate to get to that to get to that trend line yield. I have no opinion about what weather will be this summer. I know a lot of people do have strong opinions about it. I I go into these things every year with no opinion. I'll look at the forecast six to 10 days out, maybe two weeks out, maybe certainly no more than, than three weeks out. And that's about all those forecasts are good for. Anything beyond that is just, is just a pure guess in my opinion. So you've got you've got variables there. This is when this bearish report is released. It will be it will be a report. It will be bearish. It will be released next Tuesday. When it's released, um, there's a lot of variables. It's not set in stone. It's it's not. It's it's really not. We've seen really bearish reports before with these longer term projections, and they end up not coming to fruition. In some cases, they do come to fruition. But just keep in mind, there's a lot of variables. So. Um, you got to kind of ask yourself, I guess, when when I go into these reports, um, you got to kind of ask yourself what's been priced into the market. So I just told you all the reasons why the report's going to be bearish. I told you the report's going to be bearish. I told you there's going to be a big carryout number. Um, is It's probably just a question of how bearish is it relative to the sentiment of most traders. The funds are already really heavily short. I would say that sentiment in the corn market right now is about as bearish as I've ever seen. The ethanol story is well advertised. Uh, the acreage story, well advertised. So we could get this big bearish report theoretically, and the market does not necessarily have to sell off on that. Um, we've seen these buy the rumor, sell the fact scenario so many times where the market will move one way ahead of an anticipated event. And then when that event or, or that... Um, news is confirmed, the market will move the other way. Are we setting up for something like that? I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it, it would not be unprecedented for this market to kind of leak ahead of the report. And then if we don't find the sellers, if we don't find additional selling interest, when that big bearish report is released, um, that could actually turn into a friendly scenario. It really could. So um, the, the market does not have to go lower on a report that we know is going to be not just bearish, but probably one of the most bearish reports that any of us have ever seen. That I mean, unless you've been in the business dating back to the 80s or 90s, some of the guys a little bit older than me, I'll, I'll call them a little bit more experienced than me, have probably seen some stuff this bearish. But but I've 
in all likelihood, based on what I think the report's going to say, I, it's it's going to be like nothing I've ever seen, uh, at least in the corn market. So uh, just be prepared for this. I don't want you to be caught off guard when this enormous carryout projection comes out. Um, be aware that, you know, it's coming. The bearish report's coming. Um, a lot of it's probably been factored into the market already. There's a reason why these corns at three dollars and 30 something cents today and and we're not trading in in the higher levels of prices that we've seen uh you know during planting in a lot of years the market's already discounted a good chunk of this news uh how do you work with this as a grain marketer uh what implications does this have on grain marketing uh really not much at all for me i don't think that i'm going to go sell corn today uh because i know a bearish report's coming next week i don't think i'm going to sell corn on a bearish report, which which I know is going to be bearish, um, I'm going to kind of stick to my game plan, which if, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know what my game plan is. I want to see kind of a few boxes checked before I get excited about making sales. I want to see, I'd like to see the funds long. I'd like to see a little bit of positive sentiment. I'd like to see some friendly headlines. I'd like to see some profitability is what I'd really like to see for farmers. And that is just uh, pretty far from being uh, in existence right now. We're a long ways away from that. I understand, but there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of noise and a lot of chatter surrounding this thing. So I'm just, I'm kind of using this episode as as a warning that you're going to get some really ugly stuff. You're going to get some really ugly headlines next week. Uh, the news, uh, uh, whether it's on television or it's an article that you read or something on Twitter, whatever it's, it's going to be, going to be ugly and people are going to question the numbers right off the bat. I understand that, but just take, take some of this stuff with a grain of salt because not everything is set in stone. Now to go back to the old crop situation, that is a lot more closer to reality. Whatever USDA prints for that old crop corn carryout, uh, the, the projection for August 31st of this year, that probably is close going to be closer to reality. They're going to make that, that cut again for ethanol i would imagine and that's that's the real deal i mean there's not a ton of time left in this marketing year for us to catch up or really reverse that situation so that's maybe a little bit different but just that that 2021 carryout number it's going to be huge it's going to make headlines um be aware of that be aware that a bearish report that everyone knows is coming it doesn't mean necessarily that the markets have to sell off it doesn't necessarily mean that we've already got a lot of bearishness built into this thing definitely that's all i got for you today i wanted to just kind of talk about that that report it's coming up um it's gonna you're gonna hear more talk about it here over the next several days certainly um and uh i figured i'd kind of give you a heads up before you start to see all the all the headlines and start to get panicky and we don't want to do that we we don't want to panic as, as hard as it is and I know it's not easy to not panic, but I don't want you to get panicky ahead of this report when you start seeing the really negative, really bearish talk. We just don't want to see that. Um, thank you for listening today. Remember, if you do have questions, uh, shoot me an email to info at standardgrain.com. I'd love to hear from you. Follow me on Twitter if you don't, at uh, standardgrain. I tweet out my morning audio comments. I tweet out some charts and some general observations from time to time or just some nonsense that I'm that's on my mind, whatever. But um, if you're on Twitter, follow me at Standard Grain. If you would like some help with your grain marketing, I believe I can help you. Um, 
go to my website, go to standardgrain.com and uh, click on grain marketing plan. I sell a $49 a month subscription service. It is billed to your credit card automatically through PayPal. You can cancel it at any time. And uh, for that 49 bucks a month, you'll get my morning email. It goes out every morning at 6.30 central time. You will get uh, my text message service, which includes market updates and grain marketing alerts. And you will know when and how I am pricing corn, soybeans, and wheat throughout the year. And it's not just sell signals, it's percentages. I talk about spreads, when to roll futures, when to roll HTAs, uh, basis decisions. Um, you don't need to be a futures trader either to subscribe to this. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, Joe's a broker. He uh, he wants us to do this so he can, uh, you know, open brokerage accounts. That's not the truth. Um, you can You can follow my recommendations and my plan without having a brokerage account at all. You could follow just simply the cash sell signals and uh, not sell signals, but you can follow the plan and uh, it would work almost just as well for you. There may be some option things that you may not be able to do or may not want to do to begin with, but you'll you'll get the lay of the land and you'll kind of know when and how I'm doing things and what the logic is. I've had a really good response to it and uh, you should check it out for a month or two. Definitely. If you don't like it, cancel it. You won't hurt my feelings. I promise. Everyone have a great week. I may be back uh, later this week with an update. If not, I'll definitely do something following the report uh, next week. So everyone have a great day. I know you're busy, but uh, hopefully I gave you something to, to listen to in the tractor here uh, this week. We'll catch you next time.